So here's what happened as a proud member of the Boido podcast community. Hey guys, my name is Nisha and I'm joined by my lovely co-host. Carolyn. Yay. And welcome back from a semi-hiatus <laughs> um, to So Here's What Happened. Um, we are excited for y'all to be joining us once again. If y'all did not know, me and Carolyn were very busy after South by Southwest. I have been recovering from ugh, all the things in grad school. So we just needed a little break. But now we are back and we are ready to talk about all the things that we have watched and read. Um, but yeah, Carolyn, you want to kick it off with your book? Book? I don't have any book. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I well, well, I will kick it off with my book. Uh, I'm like, I'm not writing anything. Oh, no, I love that. This is what y'all come here for. Did y'all read anything? No. <laughs> Next <laughs> item. No, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll talk. I've, I have been reading things, mainly manga. Um, talking about Blue Flag, Value Sub, Volume Seven. I've talked about this series since I started writing for it on the But Why the website. And y'all, it is coming to an end. Um, I would love to have talked about Volume Eight to close, um, to really dive into everything. But I'm gonna save that for the next episode because Volume I do not have the rights. The embargo for Volume Eight is not out yet, so I cannot speak on that. But um, I'm just very excited that this series is coming to an end, even though it's kind of bittersweet. But for those who are not familiar with it, basically, it is a story. It is a young coming of age story um, about love <laughs> um, and romance and being a teenager and not knowing to do with all your emotions. But a more professional insight on, into it is that Blue Flag is a romantic drama manga um, written and illustrated by Kaito, that is their pen name. Um, and it just follows these three, fr four friends actually, um, specifically two best friends, Taishi and Toma. Um, when Taishi and Futaba start to fall in love and begin dating one another, they are completely unaware that each of their best friends are in love with them as well. Um, that would be their same-sex best friends. So they're completely unaware that his best friend is in love with him and that her best friend is in love with her. And it's just, yep, I love Quadrangle. And it's just, you know, it sounds messy, but it's just like this very emotional coming of age story. And I love it so much. But volume seven, um, basically, after the previous volume, rumors spread like wildfire after Thomas' shocking confession during the cultural festi festival is out. Taishi is left feeling confused and uncertain while other people in their circle of friends are soon affected as well. Meanwhile, Toma's brother, Seiya, sits him down for a frank talk. All the thoughts and emotions everyone has kept hidden are finally coming to light and relationships begin to change. Um, so the confession was that Thomas shared this with a friend that he was in love with Taishi. The rumor got a rumor, um, it got out and the person who was there at the time that heard it decided to fight him because of course, homophobia. Um, and I would like to say that Kaito does a really good job of tackling that in this series, especially when we think about, think about back to when we were teenagers and how was, you know, 
same-sex relationships, like LGBTQ, like how was that talked about amongst our friends? Obviously, 15-year-olds back then did not have the words that we have now or like the knowledge to talk about that the way they should talk about it now. Um, and it's kind of, and it's sad and it's rough. There's some parts in this volume that's kind of like, oh, I don't like it, but it's like, no, because this is actually how a closed-minded 17-year-old teenage boy who doesn't understand why his best friend is gay would talk about to like his best friend being gay. And it's like, it, it's, it's frustrating because it's like, I would bet that most people might've heard somebody they know talk like that before also. Because like you could probably identify maybe you maybe there was a kid in your class who talked that way about someone who was gay. It's like that's how teenagers talk. That's how teenagers would talk about it. I can't say for sure how teenagers talk about these things now because I'm not a teenager. I ain't been around children in forever. But I just think it's an important conversation, and I really applaud the mangaka for how they tackled it. And it's very, and like, that's not, it's not a one-sided conversation because then you also have other characters that are just like, you're, you're too closed-minded. You don't know what you're talking about. And it's just like, no, this is definitely a conversation you feel like you've sat in in high school and you've like heard people talking about, especially because like children are stupid. I'm not, sorry, I'm not calling children stupid, but I am calling teenagers dumb because our, your brains aren't fully developed. So when you are introduced to something that you think is wrong, which it's not wrong, but you believe it's wrong, you're going you're going to have your own beliefs about it, and it's re- that's really at the core about what this series is about. Is like how these children are forming like into their own pe- people. Mm-hmm. They're having their own identity, finding them own, their own selves, their own feelings, their own ideas, their own beliefs. And it's like, yeah, no, this is how the conversation would have gone in reality if we're talking about someone who doesn't understand or approve of this or accept his friend for being gay. And I applaud them for like writing it and putting it on paper because I'm hopefully somebody saw it and it's like, yeah, this was a necessary conversation to have, like to have it acknowledged in the manga Um, because not everyone's going to be as accepting of Toma. And he and he's aware of that. And then um, one last thing I'll mention because I don't want to give too much away because I do want people to go read it. You can read it on the Shonen Jump app. It literally costs one ninety nine a month to read manga on the Shonen Jump app, and you get an, um, you get a massive library of manga. So go read it. Um, the conversation that Toma gets to have with his brother finally in this volume is so rewarding even though the conversation is mostly one-sided it's basically his brother's way of saying i just want you to be happy and i want you to be yourself and you're going to fit and his brother doesn't say it once his brother doesn't mention anything about thomas confession he doesn't mention anything about what happened at school his brother is basically just saying like you're your own person you're going to do this you're going to do that you're going to go off and you're going to face challenges and people are going to give you a hard time but he's like but i'll be here and i'll always love you and it's like the way <laughs> it's not a camera because it's a it's a manga but it's like the way that the focus of the panels will shift everything else in the room except for toma's face until like one moment and it tells you everything you need to know about the emotions in the scene because you see him tense up you see his fist you see him clenching but it's like you'll see the the sink 
and you'll see like a like water dripping from the sink and then when you see his brother touch his shoulder you know that the tome is crying and it's just like that's what he needed he needed to have this conversation with his brother to know that he was going to be accepted and loved by his family even though it's not a direct conversation because i think that's something that his brother respects Toma enough for him to come to him and talk about it in his own time. But he just want to, wanted to give him the reassurance of like, I love you and I'm here. So now that I've gone into all that, y'all just go read it. Go read it. You can read it for literally $1.99 a month on the Shonen Jump app. They don't sponsor us. <laughs> they should though. They should though, because much manga I read for Shonen Jump. They should sponsor the podcast. You know what? We should reach out to them. Let's put that in the show notes. We're going to do that. Shonen Jump, hit us up, please. Please. I will push all my manga people to y'all. But yeah, (laughs) so it's just emotional and it's good. And I think people like don't realize that like Shonen Jump has like a super big catalog for like for like different genres. It's not just like the Shonen genre. Like there's romance, there's shoujo, there's um thriller there's mystery like the stuff it's it's expansive so there's a lot of stuff to read on there but like I'm very impressed with this title just given how like I think it's a great coming of age story about feelings and emotions and first loves um I don't want to say the words perfect until I get to talk about the volume eight but I did give this volume a five out of five so how many volumes is it in total is it the last volume eight is the last volume it is the last volume yeah you gotta wait to see how it wraps up because they can throw you like a curveball and you'd be like you know what yeah and i mean again (laughs) the embargo will not allow me to say this because i have read it at this point and i have feelings so y'all just gonna have to tune into the next episode to find out more about my feelings and or read the review but that is it for me. Um, we're going to switch things up and save TV for last. But we're going to go ahead and talk about movies that we watched. Um, and Carolyn, if you would like to do the honors up to introduce the subject. So the film we're going to talk about today, because Nisha and I both have the same film, um, and that will be Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. So you got to do one- the fighting voice, though. Huh? You gotta do the fighting voice. I gotta do the fighting voice? Okay, then hold on. Let me find the fighting voice. <laughs> what is my fighting voice exactly? What do you- I mean, I don't know. It's like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> oh, okay. Like in the like, game. Mortal Kombat. There. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. We always did that back in the day where we had to play the, the, the video game. Like, you had to be like Mortal Kombat. Yes. Okay. Um. <laughs> So this is the 2021 film. This is the adaptation of the game and not the 19 and not the film from I think the one I think it was 1992, 1993. Yeah, the original the first film. So this Mm -hmm. one is directed by Simon McQuad. I believe that's how it's pronounced. And it has a I think a really good cast. And let's be honest, the cast is the main draw to this to this film and for the Mm -hmm. nostalgia like like any 80s kid that grew up in the 80s early 90s played Mortal Kombat loved the cut love love playing it and then when we watched the film it, like the first one it, it's cheesy but it's like perfect late 80s action cheese 
Yes. It is perfect. And this one, this film is not necessarily perfect, but it is entertaining. So like mm -hmm. the main cast is Louis Tan, who plays Kuo Young, who is a new introduction to the Mortal Kombat world. Joe Taslim, who plays Sub-Zero. Hey! Um, Hiroyuki Sonata, my boo, who plays Scorpion. And then Cece Stringer as Melina, Ludi Lin as Liu Kang, uh, Jessica McNamee as Sonya Blade, Michelle Brooks as Jax, Joss Lawson as Kano, Jin Han as Sang Sung, and Max Wong as Kung Lao, <laughs> Tanatabo Asano as Raiden, and Elisa Cadwell as Natara. So that is, you have to actually mention, I have to list all of them because these are characters mm -hmm. are, that are the game. Like you can't like mention like one or two. Like the game is all of the characters. Right. Except as I said, Cole Young is a new introduction to the, I guess you could say franchise because I'm going to guess they're probably going to do a part two. Um, but yeah, so that's the film that came out. It was it's available on VOD on HBO Max, and it was released in American theaters. You know, pandemic, but you know, even if you can't, it's on VOD, which was a smart choice for them. Right. So we'll discuss that one. And for me, I enjoyed the film. It's not perfect, and you know, like here on this podcast, we keep it like a hundred percent real and honest. And spoilers, of course, we're gonna go into spoilers. Mm -hmm. It's been out for like I think a month now. Yeah, um, we wait, we waited a good chunk of time to let people like watch this. So let it fly. Yeah, it's my biggest gripe with the film is the core part of Mortal Kombat is the the competition takes place in alt world. And then in alt world, you have these different rings and these arenas where the fights take place, because the point of, of Mortal Kombat is they have humans. Some humans are invited to take place and then there's residents of alt world. And they fight and, and they fight in outward because humans in the regular world can't know that outward mm -hmm. exists. They can't know that there's a battle between humanity and then good and evil existing, right? right? And my biggest gripe right with this film is all of the fights, <laughs> except for one, takes place in the regular world. Makes no sense. That's like um, the like all of them, except for the fight between, um, I think it's uh, Lu Kang and. Yeah, that's um, true. I think take place outside of the outside of outward. And I don't think they make any sense to me. I'm like, that's the whole point of Mortal Kombat is you go to this extreme location and you battle it out, which is, and so that was my biggest break with the film. I don't think we got enough of the other characters. Like we didn't see enough fights with them or the fights weren't long enough. Like for instance, mm -hmm. the fight between Sub-Zero and Scorpion, you have Joe Taslim and Hiroyuki Sonata, two extremely fantastic martial artists and actors. They're not just good as fighters, they're great actors too. And we barely, like, we had the opening scene from the opening shot, which was, I think, the cinematography, that is really well done, and the editing is way better. I, it's like they had a completely different cinematography and editing team from the first 12 minutes than for the rest of the film. But mm -hmm. we had that opening fight with them was really good. And the fight with them, um, again, in the third half, in the third act of the film, I think was really well done. But like, honestly, like, these guys, like, there's no way to have a bad, the, the only way you can have a bad fight scene with these actors is if you have fight choreographers who don't have any idea of what to do. But I also think that the editing team and the cinematography team who worked for the first half, for the first fight, worked on this one because it shot completely different, I think, to the rest of the film, the rest mm -hmm. of the fights in the films too. So those were my two favorite parts of the film, the opening fight, and then the fight between Sub-Zero and Scorpion. And I do like how we like I, I tweeted this out in when the trailer first dropped because like I love this one scene where we got to see Sub Zero turn 
blood into a dagger and he used he turned into ice cream. Mm -hmm. I thought it was so freaking cool. And I just think how it slowed down and then he grabs it and it really well done. And um the performances I think were really good too. Like poor mm -hmm. Ludi Lin. I feel for him. Like the, the the dialogue for this film is not the best. It's pretty weak, but Ludi Lin made he worked with what he had. They all did. But unfortunately I think his dialogue was the weakest. But he still did what he had to do. And I still enjoy like the fighting and the and the chemistry between the characters, I think they all did really well. And um, it was interesting to see McCad Brooks's character, who is Jax, like, you know, like yeah. he was ex-army. Um, and then he got injured by Sub-Zero, like Sub-Zero broke his arm, like, to, like freezed his arm and broke him off. And then he had at first, like, um, a skeletal, like, skeletal version of his arms in metal. And then we saw him uh, once he found his, I don't want to say chi, that's not the word for it. Um, is it his kind? What was the word they used for it? I can't it? remember the word they used. Basically, but, uh, they found he found like the inner strength within himself to like manifest his power that yeah. like gave him the his his like his ability. Um, because like that's what a lot of, like that's what the training they underwent to get. Um, but I mean, honestly, I'll I'll be the first one to say like when. It, I am not well versed in Mortal Kombat lore. You know what I did? I played those games. I did not read any of the story as a child because I could not read. I was four years old. Well, I might, I've probably been I able to four years old playing Mortal Kombat. Yeah, my uncles let me do it. <laughs> my uncles was cool. <laughs> I got to play Taken and Mortal Kombat. I was just like living my best life being babysat by them. But, I love kung fu movies. <laughs> But it's, 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 and I like to get my gripes out of the way first. So like, that's my, right. main, my main gripes. And then there's other one, like the CGI is again, I don't know if that was done on purpose to kind of do like an homage to the original film, but this is 2021 and the CGI for, there's a scene where we see first the art world and it is not great. And this is 2021 people, like you got to up your VFX budget. And like, when you have the fact that this film is made by two white guys who this is their first feature film and you have them doing taking on such a well-known property and you have them working with a cast like this that would not happen i think with either asian or black directors like you but you know white people always get more opportunities than other people of color um but that's another discussion for another day um and then i think lewis tan i think he's a really i think he's a good actor like he's like steadily improving in his um in his acting ability and in his roles like if you if you've seen Wu Assassins in the first season mm -hmm. he's really he's getting really really good and then like his character as I said Cole is a new introduction so like there is no we don't know anything about this character prior to this so his introduction is he's a, a, a MMA fighter and he has the the um he's a, he's of the lineage of Scorpion so he's Scorpion's descendant so he has he's he it was born with the mark, which is um, kind of like the insignia, or the the entryway into um world. Like if you have this, you have the ability mm -hmm. to fight, and you to have fight to in the Mortal Kombat tournament, fight in Mortal Kombat for humanity's mm -hmm. sake, right? So he has that, and he turns up, and then he doesn't have the confidence to fight in these battles, right? And that's one, and that's I think I, I think that's a great introduction. But I did I do have one right in the fact that of course his wife is white because when it comes to Hollywood. If you're gonna have an Asian man or a black man and they're finally making it Hollywood, their wife has gotta be white. It was like, of course she's white. Of course. So like you cannot find an Asian woman or another woman of color to make his wife, seriously? 
Call me petty, but I was bothered by that the whole film. So I was watching the movie with my friend when it came out, who was staying here with me. And we made the comment of like, I don't know who the wife or who the child is. And we're just like, maybe they're going to die. That's it. That's why we don't know who they are. They're probably going to get killed off. Like we was, we was, and I'm like, I, I'm like no shade to the actors, but it's like, I don't know you. Don't really care about you. <laughs> well, I assumed that y'all did not matter in this plot. Like y'all could have literally been left to the side and like, which y'all were left to the side and used as motivational pieces, which again, so like some of my stuff with this movie for the people who complained about writing like hardcore people who like was on twitter upset about like there was no depth there was no development there was no this and i'm just like who came here expecting depth and development? Like, i, I like came here for violence i think that there are certain things that i will complain about and it just has to do with the core point of Mortal Kombat in the fact of the, the fights are supposed to take place in a specific location for a specific I, reason. That's fine. The that's writers took that and threw it out the window, which makes no sense. Because I think that's a valid point. I feel like that's a valid point to make. It's just like the people who were specifically upset about like, we didn't have a character arc. We didn't have this and we didn't have that for this character. We didn't go anywhere with the story. I'm like, y'all. All they don't really have a character art even in the games well except for like, scorpion and scorpion and um sub-zero their whole thing is is a rivalry like hundreds of years that's worth it. of and that's, blood rivalry and that's <laughs> the one thing i remember especially from the animated movies so like i, I watch more of the mortal Kombat animated movies um that um warner brothers does and i i love those like they're mm. great um and that's like the main thing i noticed and i'm like i'm glad to see y'all kept this up and did this and y'all kept this lore going and all this other stuff but it's like <laughs> i was just laughing because i'm like y'all have to just let things be fun sometimes like this yeah. is literally an action movie this is a this is going for the grab of nostalgia and violence and gore i came here for a bloody graphic violent movie for escapism i mean the blood there were more there were some well, well when melena was killed there was blood. then again that's they, went, and they did some of the through her but no but the final column no there were but there were not like so like when i say bloody and graphic i'm not talking about i've seen worse when it comes to anime don't okay. trust me when it, on the scale of like bloody and graphic and horrific things like i've seen an anime this doesn't come close but it's like there were a few shots where they did like the see-through so you could see the damage that they did to like the skeletons yeah, and, yeah. like the spines and stuff like that and like the blood and like Jax's arm so I would feel like people seeing that stuff is like yeah if you're not used to seeing blood because some people will see action movies and they'll be like I don't know the most the, the most violent action movie some people see is probably like maybe like a fast and furious film and yeah, they like, don't really have blood. Like you might see like blood right. on the clothes, but you don't see like pouring out. Or right, anything like it's that. like a PG thirteen like or PG yeah a PG thirteen action film, which is like very different from this. This is it deserved an R. Yeah, um, but the thing is, this isn't even the most R rated action. Like even if you like look at oh, it's not the most films, like uh, just take the night comes for us with Joe Taslim. Like that's his that's his lead film. And like mm -hmm. that film is graphic and gory as all I mean, the even like, or any of the raid films or any like if you, if you watch any Southeast Asian action film, 
like they get super gory like we mm. like when we i think when we think of um graphic with regards to like western films we think um lots of violent like lots of shooting up maybe stabbing and blowing up but i mean we people think like, of quentin tarantino of, or of like kill bill like that's probably one that's like a western film that's got like yeah. a lot of blood and graphicness so like this i would not put it on par with like some of the more graphic imagery but my point was like when i came into this film i'm like i came for a violent video game based movie and that's what get, they gave me and i am mm -hmm. pleased with that in the fight scenes and the violence because i just sometimes you just want to turn your brain off so people who are just like why was there like people who i just feel like people who like are critics but it's like it's clear that you don't you, you're not familiar with this content and that's fine you can I, I i do believe people are allowed to critique something that they're not familiar with like i don't believe in gatekeeping so like you are able to have your own thoughts and feelings about mm -hmm. something you watched however a quick Google would show you that Mortal Kombat don't got like there. I will actually change that. Like from the original game, the lore isn't that deep. No, it's not. <laughs> don't go that deep. Now, when you talk about all the games and the lore to now, it does go a bit deeper. But still, at the very end of the day, it's about fighting in a tournament to the death. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> That's it. And I was here for all the cheesy moments when they would plug in the lines from the game where it's like, get over here. And I was like, yeah. yes, he said it. He said you the have, thing. Like, that's like their whole thing. Get over here. Or I loved it. Yes. Uh, Flawless fatality. I was uh, just like, good God, I love this. Don't mind the only time that was actually used, it didn't make sense. Because I'm like, that was not a flawless victory. Mm -mm. It was but not. It was not <laughs> flawless because you definitely probably almost died, sir. I'm like that does not count as a flawless victory in any oh. in any scenario, whether it's Mortal Kombat the game or or in any other scenario. I'm like, no, you took any damage. Victory. You did, it was not flawless, but no. I mean, I I enjoyed it. It's a fun little game. It's a fun romp of a movie. You know, if y'all want something to turn your brain off from and just enjoy it why not and i did enjoy like the backstory I, I did like that we got the backstory of scorpion in the first um <sighs> part of the movie and I, like for quite a bit of time like i think it's the first eight minutes or so like that's a good chunk of time yeah it was about 12 minutes and they released it yeah. which is something that I, had, I don't that is extremely rare like you may get a film releasing like maybe one or two minutes or even three minutes i think one of the longest ones before this was um a sequence from that Christopher Nolan film, the one with the long take film, the army one. Uh, Dunkirk. Dunkirk. That Got one it. was, they released, I remember it was in the cinema and they released um, an extended trailer for it, which was like one entire sequence from it. And that was, a, I would say before this Mortal Kombat one, that was the first time I've seen such an extended, uh, such a long trailer for a film where they show like a full sequence from it. Mm -hmm. um, but this one, it was about 12 minutes and it is busy and it's really good. And I think it was a smart move on their part because it got more interest because like for mm -hmm. me, if you're a fan of Hiroyuki Sonata are just of like, uh, uh, of just like, again, like not only the Mortal Kombat thing, but just um, action films like, it, as I said, that scene, that sequence was really well shot and well lit and edited and, and directed. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was a really smart move on their part to, to release that. Um, and I have said this on HBO Max, but I think it's also on Prime Video because that's how I watched it. Because my sister rented it on Prime Video because I did not get a screener. Um, right. But yeah, but 
overall it's not perfect like there's like it has some things i think needed working on like the like the vfx yeah they needed to work on the vfx a little bit but as nisha said it's like you're not going there for a deep storyline you're not going there for a major character arc. you're going for the it's not for getting the characters, an oscar <laughs> for the fighting and for the actors because again right. i was there for hiroyuki sonata louis tan and joe taslim they were mm-hmm. my main draws and i was happy with what i got exactly like that's it like when i like when people want to complain about certain like films nowadays i'd be like were you expecting it to get an oscar i, I know right this is i'm just like okay <laughs> but anyways then let's move on to our last section um tv so mm-hmm. we have decided to a lot this time to talk about falcon and winter soldier um it is now concluded so nobody can yell at us about spoilers like I swear to God, if you have not watched it at this point, you only have yourself to blame. I don't believe in spoilers for people who don't even have Disney Plus because if you were never going to watch, if you weren't going to watch it, if you didn't have access to watch it, I don't know how you were going to watch it, but it's not my fault. Mm -hmm. And I'm giving you a warning. We are talking about spoilers. So anyways, yeah. You ready to talk about it? Yes, I am. Okay. Yes, go for it. So. Falcon and the Winter Soldier is the second TV installment of the MCU franchise on Disney+. Plus. The first was WandaVision, and now we have Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So we know, as from the films, 22 films, we should know these characters by now. The first the lead mm-hmm. character is Captain America, um, otherwise known as Sam. Why am I drawing a name? <laughs> Wilson. No. Wilson. Sam Wilson. Sam Wilson. Yes. I know, I'm here I can't, anything, it came so quick off my tongue and I was just like doubting myself. I'm like, oh no, it's Sam Wilson. <laughs> I was doubting myself. I was like, am I wrong? But yeah, no. so Sam Wilson, otherwise known as uh, Falcon, aka the Black Falcon, aka Black my Falcon. My brain. <laughs> my brain. Um, yeah, so it's about him. And then the second lead character is Bucky Barnes, otherwise known as Winter Soldier, played by Sebastian Stan. And then we were introduced to a whole new crop of characters, the members of the Flag Smashers. And they're led by uh, Carly Morgenthau, played by Aaron Kellyman, who was also in um, Star Wars, um, the last one. Mm, the Mandalorian. The Ma- not the Mandalorian, not the show, the film. Oh, the film. Oh, girl. I, you see how long it's been? My first thought went to Man- girl, The Mandalorian. See, that was, um, I'm going to look it up because I think she was really good. And I'm hoping that maybe we get to see her in the films. So, Solo, a Star Wars story. She oh. played, was uh, it the last one? Was <laughs> it, We've had one before that one. That's why I was like, she was in, that's why I'm like, she was in Mandalorian. Anywho, anywho my bad. Keep going. And then, um, so then you also, and then you had um, Desma Chiam, who plays Dovich, and also we had Wyatt Russell, who played John Walker, as I otherwise call him, Bargain Bin Cap. I know Captain America, if we're going for the sake of accuracy with, for, the, for the cast listing. Um, but I like it was, I, I really America. enjoyed it. Some things, like the way how they handled race, and, and they all lives mattered some 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 stuff at the mm-hmm. end i does not sit well with me um but i think it was really well done it was um fantastic fight sequences of course the actors are all great we got to see the door melange again flores yeah. Kasumba, what up and then we got Love and it. her and two of the other door melange and um melange sorry and 
I love their sequences. I love. I I need them to do a Dormalage um show. I, I that was everything. Show. That moment was I know, everything. Right? She's she's everything. Mm-hmm. I I've, I've heard. Oh, that but sorry. Real quick, for every person who mistook her for a Koye, for shame, for shame, shame on your house, shame on your family, shame on your cow. I shame, exactly. shame on all of you who called her a Koye. She's not. They She's not. Like, oh, they me. look nothing alike. And my God, they look nothing alike. How, like, I just can't <laughs> grasp this, but it's like, I understand how it happened. But no, how, I don't understand how because they look no, nothing alike. No, no, I understand how because two people who just see two dark skinned black women just assume, oh, yeah, she, like, they just look just alike. I'm like, if you put them next to each other, they do not look just alike. She does not look like Denai. <laughs> what? Or do what I do. Go and look up the cast list online. It's just like how that woman were called Daniel Kaluuya. What she called him. She called she, him David Oyelowo. Mm-hmm. And then in the article had his name as Daniel Oyelowo. So like she was wrong three times. Like how dare you? How dare all of you? And then don't forget the Oscars where Daniel won his Oscar. Like that woman talked about him working with Regina King. First, they messed up the movie that he's working with the director. He's working on the whole cast. Because he's nowhere in the cast list for Judas and the Black Messiah. None. Nowhere. Just, he's never even worked with Regina King. Just a Google. Just a quick look up. I'm sure there's a program. I'm sure that the Oscars give you like a note card. They that tell you a whole who, booklet. Then, there's no excuse. Anyways, sorry. Now that we've gotten that little rant out of the way. Um, yes, give us more of the Dormelage. Because that was everything I needed it to be. Um, and a Dormelage show? Yes, please. With them just going on missions? Like, I understand that if Lapito Nyong'o um, is not available because she doesn't even see herself as a Dormelage either. And no, she's then, not. Um, she's, um, they call them something dog. Um, yeah. War dogs. War dogs. War, she's a war dog. So, like, I understand if, like, the movie regulars are like her and a few other people would not be available. But at the same time, there's a whole bunch of supporting actors. actors there's a whole bunch, and there's an opportunity. Like, bring all of them back. Bring all of them back. There's an opportunity to expound upon the Dormelage lore and like and, really and go my, into it. And do my dream casting of Grace Jones as one of the original Dormelage, or, or like I, <gasps> she I, could I, be my, a my trainer. Dream, my head cannon. She's um, Okoye's mom. I would also <sighs> take her as um, um, I would also take her as uh, Ayo's mom too. Like. Just bring Grace Jones. If I she's love like it. an original badass Dormelage, that would like mm-hmm. oh my god. But anyway, sorry, we're getting off track. This isn't about we the are. Dormelage, but we should. We should have a Dormelage show. Um, but yeah. Um so we you were talking about that and I don't want to cut you off from like the things you were No, it's okay because uh, we like we we're, we're going for like the rest of the show. I know I forget about whole everything about yeah. I do, but I'll agree with you. Like I do like how they handle so before this, we had Luke Cage, I would say, was like the Marvel show that actually talked about Black race issues. Um, and oddly enough, I liked how Falcon and Winter Soldier did it, even though like, I would say, and I don't know if it's because Michael, Michael Coulton, Coulton annoys me um, and he don't want, he just can't keep his mouth shut about some stuff. Um, but I do feel like 
Anthony Mackie's portrayal, like, and then other things, like, discussions. Like, I don't like the whole, like, kind of vagueness of it, but, like, I did appreciate, like, certain moments where, like, they, like, the whole, the police stopping and, like, like looking at Bucky and, like, is he bothering you, sir? And the first thing they do is, like, assume that, that it's something that Sam did and it's like oh and it all changes when you realize he's an Avenger and all this other stuff but then it's also like other things of like how even though Sam is an Avenger and he's like does everything he can to like help like he he goes on missions and does things like obviously through contract through the army or whatever but like people will still look at him and like just see a black man on the street and I'm like that's a real that's real because it's like regardless of him being an Avenger people gonna be like oh well you can you can we can still arrest you that don't matter until like they find out that he's an Avenger but it's like he's not he's he's not I'm sure some people were thinking like well why doesn't he just talk to so-and-so for help with the boathouse I'm like do you think he's going to actually do that though like the fact that we all learned when we learned that they didn't get paid for none of this i was just like you risking your life to save the world and tony and nick fury can't come off a, a few dollars no see i didn't lay that because in the comics like um tony does pay them he provides right. housing for them that doesn't sound right them, so i don't like that they didn't include that in the show but i'm like you know what pepper pops is obviously a cheap ass so a little something a little something for saving the world would be nice that's why i was just like that don't make no sense that tony never paid them anything or even that like the government never paid them anything or he didn't need them anything in a will like right something to take care of themselves because yeah there was the avengers compound but like being an avenger seemed like a full-time job it was (laughs) but anyways um i don't know so like i liked how race was handled like that topic i don't care for when it got a little vague on the issues but i can see why like in certain parts where it's like they were trying to really encap like get across the whole displacement of the people who got who got dusted away and the misplay in the displacement of the people who were there for five years and had to keep moving forward with their lives because like oh no 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 all of this feels very real it feels entirely real that if half of if like half the world's population went away and people just started to migrate to places and started to build their own communities up and like yeah I, we don't know when you're coming back so why wouldn't we take your house sorry we didn't know you would be coming back but the government just saying like well now you have to leave and you can't stay here anymore i'm like this yeah this feels real so i did like how they handled those issues because i feel like they it did feel like a very realistic kind of thing um so there was that i love all the moments with bucky smiling at sarah um release the bucky and, and sarah cut because I know they is playing footsie underneath the picnic table. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, they is playing footsies underneath the table and Sam is none the wiser. <laughs> it's true, they but, have chemistry. Like, those scenes where he's like, hey, Sarah, I'm like, okay, Bucky. I'm like, okay, Bucky, look at Bucky smiling all naturally. But speaking of Bucky, I like that this series really gave us something, though, for, like, both of them. Um hmm. We have Sam's character arc and his journey and his like own thing of like, and it needed to be said. <laughs> like, I, I feel like a lot of people hated that conversation with Bucky and Sam when Bucky's like, I'm sorry, I don't think me or 
um, Steve un truly understood what it meant for a black man to become Captain America and yeah. how that would impact you and like what that could mean. Um, and it's basically saying like, hmm, I didn't take enough into account of your race and how this country has treated you, but no. also how this country may respond to you becoming Captain America. And like, that's like something that, uh, obviously they come from a different time, but it's also like, Sam had to like go through the process of like feeling like, will they accept me? Should I do it? Like the whole conversation he has with Isaiah Bradley, I love that because it's like, yeah, no, let's not forget how this country mistreated black soldiers. But I'll tell you where that, why that conversation on the part of Sam was disingenuous of the writers, because we have Bucky acknowledging that Sam as a black character, um, as a black Captain America means something different to a white man, mm -hmm. which is true. But then you have Sam at the end basically saying all lives matter and this and basically almost ignoring everything that Isaiah said because what Isaiah said is correct because Isaiah was like, you're a black man. Forget the whole Captain America thing. You are a black man in the army. Sam knows what it was like in the army mm -hmm. as a black man. And, and the show does not address that, which I think it's a huge error because you're going to you're going to talk about Captain America, but you're not going to talk about the reason we know that he would have faced systemic racism and systematic racism within the army itself. We got a taste of that from the character of John Walker. You know that he would have been a bigot, right? Because that started to come through um, once that started to come through when, once we got to see more of his character. And we know that the American military is extremely bigoted and racist um, towards black people. For goodness sakes, they had rules about black women and, and their hair and that kind of stuff. So when you had, and then you have Isaiah Washington saying he was, I, he was locked up for 30 years for doing the exact same thing that um, Steve did, and Sam doesn't even, and Sam doesn't even really, if you look at it, doesn't even really acknowledge it. He he's basically telling um, Isaiah, "Oh, things are different now." Really, you you were just you were just stopped by the police outside. What things are different? And then right. Sam's acting like he himself doesn't understand what Isaiah is talking about, which I thought was uh, excuse me. That doesn't like, make sense. I feel like that, and that's the thing. Like, there's there's parts where I can. I like the scene with Bucky like acknowledges that him and Steve like oh no we didn't we didn't see like we didn't under, we didn't understand like because yeah you know you didn't understand but then it's also like there's definitely even this this like like you said um, Sam has a come to Jesus moment with himself basically um, and realize it, like which feels weird almost in a way like frustrating to me when he's like why doesn't anyone know about isaiah i'm like well sam I i'm not shocked that anyone doesn't know about isaiah but like maybe you but like and it's possibly because sam could personally i think it's because how sam is on a, on in his in himself like there's like this personal like war there's him as a soldier there's him also being a black man but it's like bruh why do you think he went to jail like why do you think he was arrested like it's not that shocking that isaiah was like treated that way it's not shocking to people who are aware of how black soldiers were treated and it's kind of like so i do agree with you it's frustrating that sam doesn't get it um when isaiah is talking when isaiah is telling him everything because i'm like you should have already known what it meant for Isaiah to be like to have all the powers that Captain America have and to not have the rights that he doesn't have.
yeah and the that's how that one to me was the um the weakest part of the show where they where you can tell the writers were like we want to talk about race but we don't really want to talk about race right and then at the end as i said they basically all lives matter the whole situation and then we're basically saying that while the flag smashers they yes they were violent but their mess what they were saying wasn't wrong because america is a colonialist settler state we know this they're colonizers so mm-hmm. when you have again have sam acting like he doesn't under he didn't really understand that whole aspect of what he um what she was saying to him that also didn't make sense to me i'm like how do you not get where she's coming from you're a black man your people were enslaved by colonizers your black people were pushed out of their homes you have mm-hmm. you had um you had massacres you had um oh my goodness like help me the the town that was bombed and it happened to more than one town by town by the way yeah um, i know you're talking about the massacre um oh uh, it was that my mind is drawing a complete bank but you 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 everyone knows what i'm talking about so there's like, been there's plenty of history happened. so when you have and and then i and it seemed to me like the writers didn't know how to deal with that aspect of the character, especially when they were making that such an integral part of his, of his, um, of his storyline. Like you start to see more about Bucky and more about um, Zemo than about Sam, right? And then I the whole message. And then again, like, it really bugs me how that whole storyline is wrapped, where you have these he's he's these politicians who are the ones leaving these people like hundreds of thousands of people to fend for themselves mm-hmm. and then he accepts an apology from them on behalf of the people that they're disenfranchising excuse me that's not your place so i guess my whole, so I'm, this is like my feeling about sam because i've always felt this way about him until we actually got any like until he got agency i'll just say that because i guess th- this show does give him at least a little bit more agency than what we've seen from him. And that's what a lot of these, these, like it's done in WandaVision, it's done here. Like we're getting actual depth and development of these characters and and we're seeing more of their agency Mm -hmm. as who they are individually out of these movies. I'm not going to lie. Sam has always kind of given, Sam in this show, in the MCU, has kind of given me this attitude of... Republican black man? Not Republican black man, because that's... Not, not quite there. Not quite there. He's not there. He's definitely a pull yourself up by the bootstraps. I was in the army. I served. I'm respected as a soldier and this and that. But it's like, he's at least somewhat aware of the issues. But it's like to enough to say that like, hey, this is how I'm seen as a black man. I'm like, yes, Sam. Yes, that is how you are seen. And that is an issue. But the fact that it is because it, you're right, it does kind of get pointed out where it's like, why, Sam, do you think that Isaiah would not receive the same respect that Steve got? And literally, why do you think that is, Sam? Like, it's not that hard. And he's like, everyone should know about him. I'm like, bruh, my father fought, not father, my daddy is not that old. My <laughs> grandfather fought in Vietnam. My other grandfather fought in World War II. They came home and they still dealt with the same shit that was there yes. when they left. They dealt with the shit when they was fighting for their lives and fighting for people over there. Fighting for, fighting in wars that they shouldn't have been in fighting for in the first place. So it's like, Sam, how can you think because cap because steve had this experience steve was respected as a hero that 
America was going to treat Isaiah that way and receive him that way. No, they saw, they saw a hero in Steve. They saw a weapon in Isaiah. Mm-hmm. They didn't treat Steve like a weapon. They treated him as a hero. They treated Isaiah as a weapon, as an experiment, as a lab rat. And then as soon as he desi- decided to act on his own accord, they locked him up. And then, and then again, Sam not understanding why Isaiah wouldn't want to be found. Yes. The man just told you what happened to him and you still don't understand why he would not want to be found. And then the, to me, you can tell that that character in, as it is in M2 was written by white, was written by white men because I like, even like his interaction with the black kids outside Isaiah's home, mm-hmm. where the, the black kid was like, um, he called him black Falcon, I think. And he got offended. That the little boy calling black fuck. I'm like, ain't you black fool? You're a black man. Like, there's nothing wrong with the black kid calling you black falcon. Like, so- they see the they see blackness. They see the word black and the moniker black and um, black falcon as a respectful sign because they can they connected that to Black Panther because in their their kids. So they're thinking you're black and the animal and you and the name of the animal. So Black Panther, Black Falcon. If he if he was cheetah, he would have been black cheetah too. No, like, so I have to disagree you, with like, you. Why are you being offended? Like. I have to They're disagree with you there, though, because he calls himself the he calls himself Falcon. He calls himself but Falcon. They're kids. They're, they're kids. kids. And, they're, they're, and they're not. And they're if it, like, if, it, if a white person has said that to him, then that would have been a problem. But these are black kids. They're kids. Right. No, they're and kids. But I think I'm like, saying I'm like, you can no. tell a white person wrote that because no black, no like. I mean, it's just like when people want to say that viola davis is the black meryl streep that's how i took that interaction it's like but no it's my name though, is because my you, name is usually white people who say that ish it's usually white people who compare right. black people to other white people like they even do it with like asians because during the oscars like um they asked han yeri if she saw yunya jung as like the as the as the uh, korean meryl streep garbage but mm-hmm. these are black kids and they said like it's different coming from if the person is a white person and they're doing that because they can't think outside their white box Whereas mm-hmm. if it's a black kid, like they see black being black as something to be respected. They see the moniker of blackness as something positive. So I thought first and I think they just said that because he's black though. But I think they mm-hmm. just think that because, oh, he's a black man. So his name is Black but that's Falcon. What he said. So like, I don't understand why he would get offended. They're kids. Like I'm a teacher. If my kids come to ask me, he's like, am I a black? T-? That's what he's saying. No, but it's a been a joke teacher? before. Yeah. It's been a joke before, before like this show where people would like, falcon and like other black superheroes where like their name doesn't have black in it and like people will just call them black so like difference if it's coming from black people i think than if it was coming from white people because i think there's a difference but i if i if i name myself and i give myself a name i want to be called that name understood understood because but again this is a child so it's no reason to like tell the child like do you have this whole conversation with the child (laughs) like but no my, my thing is like the way it was done it wasn't like he was like, it wasn't like he didn't take it. If it was me, I would have taken it as a joke and say, okay, kids, that's funny, but my name is Falcon. He was offended. That's the difference. If he wasn't offended right. and he corrected them, but he's, he was, that's like, if my kids at school come and say, oh, you're a black teacher. I'm like, yeah, I'm a black teacher, but you can also just call me Miss Hines or you can just call me teacher. You don't need to put blackness in front. But I wouldn't be offended at it because these are kids and they don't know better. Right. But like, this is a grown man. Like, anywho, I'd be digress and I could go on about this because like mm-hmm. that character, like, if he, he's just on the cusp of being a hotel. I mean, I won't even go. He's just like, a, it's hard. Cause that's like, I almost need a scale. Cause he's really, 
that respect respectability politics that's what it yes. is that's the word he gives me respectability politics he gives me i do i'm respectful towards you so you will be respectful towards me and i will like and it's just like bruh that's not how the world operates it's just like people who think like oh if i am um and like that's that's what i've always felt about sam and i'm like kind of like felt like eh, i was thinking very he vote republican i mean the car carrying member the gop <sighs> this is why i like i feel like he's better in the comics and i might just like read it in comics like i just feel like he gives me respectability politics which i do not like <laughs> I'm the oh. same way, clearly, as you can tell. Yeah, but other than him, last thing we could talk about, I mean, for me, it's Crapton America. Um, crap, well, you call I him mean, Crapton. I call him Crapton America because I don't like that man. I don't know him. He don't belong in that suit. He's awful. How dare the government literally take what Sam donated in a museum and give it to him without telling Sam, but I'm not shocked because it's the government. It's actually so, it's American. Like, so we're not shocked there, but like, yeah, he's just annoying. But I mean, like, I applaud the actor for doing a good job of being an annoying ass white man so much that people were just like, we hate you in real life, too. Took it a bit too far, though. <laughs> they took it. They No, for real, though. Y'all took it too far because I'm like, I'm not going to tell this actor that I hate him. Like, like he's doing his job. He's doing his job. He's supposed to be, you know, blue collar cap. <laughs> like i call him bargain bin cap he's definitely bargain blue cap blue light special clap cap like jesus he's just so annoying and just like come on guys we have to come together i'm like f you and the horse you came in on get out of that suit and give us that shield back like i'm i was bucky the whole time of just like i don't like him <laughs> don't like him at all uh, exactly. Uh, this is okay. So going back to Sammy Bay, because this is where we see the as again, you talked about the responsibility politics. And this is where Sam, as I said, he's one of those people that will defend white people before he defends black people or people that he's friends with. Because we saw it in the fight between the Dora and 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 John Walker, where they're handing his ass to him as dessert because he put his hand on that black woman and like, no, no, keep your hand off that black woman. Did Sam, did, did Sam get offended at that? No, he got offended at Ayo defending herself and putting John Walker on his knees where he belongs. Sam no, Bucky, on the other hand, was just be like, well, John, you asked for it and you're getting what you asked for. And Sam is like, aren't you going to do anything? Bucky, Bucky was perfectly fine standing there watching the show. Right. He was perfectly fine because he knew that John deserved what was coming his way. And he knew you don't mess with the door and you don't put your hand on a woman uninvited who you know nothing about. But John. No. Sam gonna get in there. I want to be Captain Save a Ho, mm -hmm. and and it's gonna be like, and I said this in my life too because I said he he said the same. He did the same thing with Sharon. I'm like, read the room, Sam. Read the room. But no, yeah. he started like he got in the fight, and that's and then Bucky ended up getting his arm detached because Ayo had to remind him who you took, who did you, who gave you this arm, and who does this arm ultimately belong to? Right. What kind of? Did Don't you really think hand on me like that? Right. Um, especially in defense of this other joker don't right. do it and it's like did you really think the wakandans wouldn't know how to take back their arm in case you ever really tried them exactly you using your you using their arm against them unacceptable You're dumb just dumb, dumb. that's but... why at the end bucky couldn't even really been like he wasn't even thing because he knew he was in Iran. he was just like surprised that she took it off the way because he didn't know it could come off like that but he right. didn't know he never thought that he was wrong because he like yeah i deserve that yeah, I mean, Bucky, no, Bucky, at least I feel like 
because therapy look what therapy can do for people I know right <laughs> I love it for I he's love grown it so for, much he's grown so much he he's not out here trying to kill nobody he just don't tell me what kind of you need to go wonders. back he need to go back but yeah he I just I like a lot of Bucky's growth like him on this road to retribution and like owning everything he did even though like for all the people that still want to call Bucky a villain and all like, and still like want to like villainize him. I'm just like, again, there's a thing called agency and Mm -hmm. Bucky did not have agency for a large part of his life. So it's not fair to call him a villain and to like, but the whole point is that Bucky still feels like he is not his, his slate is not wiped clean that Mm. he's not that he is still responsible for those deaths because they came from his hand and that sucks because it's like he's never going to be able to let that go he's letting that go by making them right but it's at the same time that people like we see how Bucky is treated by other people and still treated as like oh no you're still like we don't trust you and I'm just like do we forget about like people mind controlling Exactly. And that was one of my other my like my my problem with regards to the writing for Bucky and the fact it's good that he's getting therapy, but as I saw it was something that I noted and then I saw a thread by someone who is a therapist and my what I my, what was bothering me, she confirmed, in that I don't know who they consulted for for the therapy sessions, but whoever, if they did actually consult a therapist or a psychologist, mm-hmm. it was not done right because what we saw is not how a therapy session should program should happen one is that's what we saw her do with violating his privacy and his confidentiality as a patient too then she had him making amends for actions that he literally was not responsible for was wrong because he is not like it's not like he was an addict who are you know like an alcoholic or a drug addict who is making mm-hmm. amends to people they hurt while under drug addiction but knowing what they did wrong he had no, he, he was being, he was brainwashed. He had no control over his actions. Right. Whatsoever. He partially wasn't even aware of a lot of the things that he did. He only found out a lot of a lot of the actions that he did afterwards when he read like the records and stuff like that. And then mm-hmm. when he, the stuff that he was aware of, he was only aware, aware of it is like, as like someone who's like in the, in the back seat watching someone else drive. So like she had him like making amends for actions that to me, I'm like, he's not responsible for those actions. It's Hydra that's responsible for those actions. You're laying the burden of guilt on on, on a victim. He was victimized too, mm-hmm. right? And you're making the victim feel like he was, like he was a perpetrator in something that he had no control over. So, and then I saw like the woman say the same thing in the thread. I was like, yeah, I was spot on because I didn't like how that was done. And then mm-hmm. you had her have Sam come into his therapy session without his permission, without prior consultation, without telling Sam, without stating specific rules for Sam. And then during the therapy session, had Sam violating um, Bucky's pri- um, his personal space because she forced them to sit down close together and inhabit each other's. But that's not how you conduct therapy. I mean, that's it's- definitely not therapy. And I mean, like, it's my not, whole thing not- was like, I mean, and again, you can tell when it's just for the plot. of like the story which is one thing but I think I would have appreciated if it didn't involve like misconstruing therapy in those in that place and in order to move the plot along like the whole retribution thing and and him seeking out um his own like carrying out his own justice in his own way 
that's that's Bucky's thing. That's a decision he's truly making on his own, but he's still following his therapist rules because like, yeah, there's things in some of those therapy sessions where it's like, you should be talking to him about like, I don't know, reminding him that he's not at fault and working exactly. towards alleviating the guilt and letting go of that pain. But of course, we want to move the plot along. But like, I just like, I hope nobody thinks any of this is real therapy. Yeah, because I know please, like, please, I saw people saying, oh, it's just a show. It's, I'm like, no, when you're doing certain things in a show, you have to be careful of the type of messaging that you're sending, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're going to talk, as, as, as again, I said, if you're going to talk about things like racism and that kind of stuff, and other th and then if you're going to talk about th therapy, you got to be like, have them based on some foundation of reality. This mm -hmm. show is supposed to be set in reality. These are, you know what I mean? It's not like Star Trek. Right. Where we know it's literally all fiction because like space travel to that extent does not exist. But there's supposed to be a certain level of grounding of reality, right? We're supposed to be able to buy into this. So if you're going to have a therapy session with someone who's suffering with severe post-traumatic stress disorder, you're going to do it right. Right. At least get the basis right. Like uh, like respecting the mass personal space. If you have a if you have a, a client, if you have a, a patient telling you he's feeling uncomfortable, your job as a therapist is to make him comfortable. Ask him why he's feeling uncomfortable, not breaking his boundaries like she did. I'm um, dismissing his concerns. Like, and like he, she basically bullied him into like confessing to things that he wasn't comfortable and ready to confess or talk about in the moment. I'm like, that's not a therapy session. What the heck is this? Like, they might mm -hmm. as well have thrown that whole plot outside the, outside the window and forget about it. What was the point of it? Because it didn't help Bucky at yeah. all. It was that's honestly for con we, no uh, to the plot. as we know, conflict, drama, tension. That's it. it could have been but it's just like, yeah, I think it could have been done differently. Like, honestly, without therapy, maybe those conversations could have been could have came about like him, like confessing to Sam, like in his own time. Maybe his therapist have, could have been or, like or have more flashbacks. He's him talking to IO because we got like in the beginning, we saw um, IO telling like helping him, like unlocking his memories and mm -hmm. like talking him through it. And is like, you're free, Bucky. We Which could have better. had scenes of their of their friendship because they think they do have a genuine friendship and, and one mm -hmm. of respect. And so he kind of broke it, but it's like it's mending because at the end, like him returning, him taking Zemo to her, I think was an apology not only to her but also to the kind of people and a way to mend their fences. So mm -hmm. I wish that instead of those ridiculous therapy sessions, we had more scenes of him and Io and them and their friendship and her talking to him because she's a soldier too, right? So she could speak to him as a soldier and help him with that. And because that whole therapy thing was a pointless then. Sure. Yeah, I just, yeah. I mean, there's definitely things that need to, that can totally be improved upon. I'm curious to see, I don't, I'm assuming we're not getting a second season. I mean, because things are going to lead into the, the MCU as we saw how things are getting set up but who knows maybe there will be a second season I just like I'm not holding my breath for there to be an, a new season next year no, um, not anytime soon because they right. announced their sleep up until I think early 2023 and they haven't said anything yeah. about they're, they're going forward with other shows like the Loki show and it feels fine as a short run series like I do really I really do like this new format that Marvel is exploring with these series to give these characters more art like an actual arc agency depths build upon them because like before WandaVision before um Falcon and Winter Soldier if you told me like or asked me like what's Sam's sister's name I'm like well 
have no idea about them. We have no idea about Sam's family because Sam is a side character in the MCU. But now it's like this is actually a way to build them up to be more than that in these plots, as we, which does a lot of the legwork for the films, I think. And I'm excited to see, like, okay, we know who the power broker is now. So. Well, I what does I'm not, I don't trust her. I mean, I got very suspicious after that one episode, and then she was talking to her driver a certain way, and I was just like, ah, uh, yeah, 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 because like Sam believed her story about her being um running from the government, and I'm like, it don't does she feel like she's struggling to you, Sam? Really? I, again, he wanted to play Captain Save a Hole because Bucky was like, Bucky and Zima were like, yeah, nah, she lying. She's Sam, he fine. Into it completely. He's like, She's oh, literally. A, I'm like, you don't even. You can't even get a loan at the bank. How are you gonna help her? I mean, you. Help your family first, Sam. Help your own family first. Help your own family first. That is honestly it, right there. But yeah, Sam just. I was dead with that one because I was just like, Sam, she is doing just fine here. I mean, she can't go back to the U.S., which at the same time, I mean. I, I do like how the show shines a light on like how other people were affected by the snap and also the, the fallout from Civil War. But at the same time, I'm just like, was the U.S. government really bugging you that hard over the last five years? They were checking for her. They wasn't checking for you. You a spy. You, you worked for the CIA. You could have came back in there anytime you wanted to. That's why I didn't believe none of it. I'm like, were they really checking for you that hard, ma'am? in the middle of the snap your boss from the cia probably went missing that would have been a perfect time to infiltrate but she saw she saw an opportunity where there was an opportunity so we shall see what's going to happen with the power broker in her and now all of this nonsense <laughs> that is getting stirred up i'm just like i'm ready for the next film which not black widow because i'm still frustrated isn't the next one uh at manfo i'm oh is it please let it be where something. i saw some um, some news about Ant, about there being a new ant man there's so. gonna be a new ant-man and wasp but um the next film i think that comes out will actually be black widow but i don't think it's gonna have any continuity from anything we've seen that here yeah because it was shot from long before the exactly for all of this is happening <laughs> none of this matters um maybe we get something about secret invasion which you know what i'm gonna call this now what if the widow that died was a scroll? I'm just saying, what if the black Possibly. widow that died was a scroll? Possibly, but then we'd have to figure out when she was switched. But I mean, I'm really not interested in Natasha that started away to be like, if she, I'm like, if, if she is a scroll, so be it. Like, I mean, I'm saying the scroll her dead, but she, but she's somewhere else. But I'm also just like, I'm super not that. I'm not going to spend $30 to see this movie. So I will wait and then I'll see what other people say about it. Me and then too. I'll make my decision because I'm not breaking my neck over seeing this movie. Unless I get a screener. I mean, I like the dad from Stranger Things in it. Yeah. The sheriff. I like him, but I'm also just like, I'm not about to buy Premiere Access. Sorry, Disney Plus. It is what it is. They don't sponsor us. We don't care. But anyways, we out here. Um, but if you would like to sponsor us, please. If you would like to sponsor us, you can. Even though I just, like, you know, said. I but don't I want to hear your opinions about things. I really need to keep being brutally honest every time. Yeah, no. That is, that's what you get with us. You get two black women who love to talk about all the things they watch and read. But with that, any other final thoughts? Um, 
about Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Yeah. I feel like we uh, covered a full breath of it. Or oh, um, we didn't call it about Carly. We well, I, I really liked her character and I think she was really strong. I think she was well written. Um, but I think we could have had a bit more um we, ne- we didn't get to know anything about her life before the snap where like she, yeah. she never really discussed like who and what she lost like we, I would have liked to have like a moment where we got to know like if she talked about her family or her mm-hmm. friends or even for any of the other um flag smashers like um Desmond's character like, if he had gotten to like, if he had said I lost my wife I lost my kids I lost my dog something but we never really got to know anything mm-hmm. about them apart from who they were as flag smashers and their um and their um ideology in that um and and then um i think it was i think there was an interesting aspect where zemo like basically zemo was like you're a supremacist because you're using your power to try to suppress to try to take power and do and get your message across which i think is interesting and that he kind that he compared the avengers to supremacists to him like yeah they are because Mm -hmm. they go into other people's country whether they want them there or not and do whatever they want trash buildings kill people and then part and then walk exit like nothing happened like we saw that happen in um in africa in south africa right we saw that happen i mean it happened to bear like zemo's home like, his country his family that's made it right he and, lost like, his entire did. family because of them well ultron and them which exactly like he's Tony. like you guys are supremacists which is true i mean it's a fair point to make when you like really take a step back and look about look and like I do like how the Marvel universe d- does include these kind of topics because it's like, you no, know, we like in the world that we live in in 2021, like we have to look at how this stuff is handled and how um, when we talk about power and superheroes, like I think a lot of good, sh- a lot good shows, good superhero shows don't hold back from talking about these kind of issues when you mm-hmm. want to talk about like, hmm, yeah, there's, oh, you know, the edgy ones will be like, oh, but they could take over the world and we need to like have a way to check them and, and checks and balances and like, oh, but they're saving us. Like, no, but let's talk about the damage that gets done on a person to person scale in like, what's your solution for fixing that? Like, cause Hulk just smashed an entire building with people inside. Like, you know, I'm just throwing out things. So no, it's, it's like- true because, and people will say, oh, but Tony addressed that. Um, and you know, he, he created like in Spider-Man Homecoming, like he talks about um, like they create like this crew who goes around and stuff. But yeah, but what about the stuff that happened before? It's a good question. I mean, like they have to explore these things. Like I did like, like, I do like how like it's not being like shooed away like in some previous superhero shows like in genres where it's just like save the day we destroyed half the city and we don't know how many people are dead but we saved the day i'm exactly. like exactly who did you save who did y'all save because everyone's like half the city is dead but and dying because like, and in the hospital like, mortal injuries critical injuries right but like <laughs> it's just an interesting conversation but Anyways, yeah, I'm, I guess I, uh, oh, just add my final thoughts. Um, yeah, I liked Carly. I felt like her descent into true villainy. I did not like it as much because it was just like very reactionary, which I get because like she felt like it's like eye for an eye. They did this to us. We have to do this to them. And I'm just like, okay, you went from being like, you know, 
fighting for the cause to like very quickly we are going to kill these people anyways and have hostages and like and here we are but like she's a villain so I can't be upset with her descent into villainy I just felt like her descent felt like it's like y'all are trying because that's where I as I said that's where at the end that you could tell that the writers had an agenda and they're basically and like they were basically saying that anyone who's a revolutionary and be, is a radical, therefore it is bad. And not true because if you've disenfranchised hundreds of thousands of people, they have a right to be angry. They have a right to demand justice. They have a right, right for bad, fair and proper treatment. But then the writers at the end was like, they're the ones that are actually bad for demanding better circumstances. Let's make the politicians who disenfranchise them the heroes because then they're just simply misunderstood. That's when you know that they had an agenda from the beginning, and I do not, I, I do not like it because I, as a black person, have a problem with you telling disenfranchised people they don't have a right to be angry, and you're using a black man to spread that message. I don't like it because this is not a, this is not a, this is not GOP messaging. You know, meet in the middle. No, mm. I don't have to meet you anywhere. You need to come to me because you're the one who did me wrong. Right, and yeah. that's the message they're sending. Like we got reach out to the people who hurt you. That is not how this works. No, I'm gonna be angry. I'm I'm gonna I want I want to be angry, and I want you to fix the problems that y'all caused. That's it. I'm allowed exactly. to feel that. And they made her Carly into a villain for wanting that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I did not. And I did not like that because what she was saying at the beginning was right, and she had a purpose. And then all of a sudden, she made this same, complete yeah. Truth, and that was like. Because I mean, like, I understood from the beginning that she was going to be the villain. I just felt like the descent into true villainy felt like. <sighs> yeah, but even the cause, why her cause should be considered a villainous cause like that. Yeah, is, because again, it's not so much the it's not like her cause is villainous. It was just like how they were going about it with like rock robbery. Yes. Wrong. Villain. Wrong. That's, of course. that's wrong. Punishable crime. Um, stealing things also wrong, like mm-hmm. things like that. Wrong. It's when she started to like, I'm gonna burn people alive in this building. I'm like, which is kind of again, as I said, like when that came out of nowhere. That like, that's the problem. It came out of nowhere. Like I'm not surprised with her. She's the villain. She's supposed to do villainous things. I just felt like that motivation just was like a switch, and it and it stemmed from like her feeling betrayed by Sam. In that yeah, and, home. Why, and why did she from John Walker? Because John Walker came in exactly and, and killed one of her. That's man. right. And that's then right. The, and then at the, the end, they tried to rehab him. Ugh, no, this I don't man care. Beheaded because if you didn't know, he beheaded that uh, flag, that flag smasher because he used his shield to chop his head off. People, right? He beheaded that man in public, and at the end, they're trying to make him buddy buddies with Buddy by cracking this lame ass joke. Like, I'm like, yeah, no. no. This man is a murderer who killed an, an unarmed man in front of who, hundreds of people. He was, was giving Carter, himself up. But because he's a white man, he's not really, you, like, he's oh, not a when he said, like, He's a psycho. When he said, do you know who I am? And I'm like, being Captain America doesn't get you respect. That you think it does. Because you don't, you, you don't just you get respect for putting on a mask. You didn't earn it. You didn't earn and, and the thing is like, oh, they'd be like, oh, but I was an American soldier. And what did you do? You went into other people's countries killing and harming them. Dropping bombs on them. They don't you- see you as a hero. Only Americans see American soldiers as heroes. Okay, to the rest of the world, you guys are imperialists and invaders. And with that, I think that brings us to a close. <laughs> I just feel like that's the perfect. <laughs> uh, Not a bit political there, but you know. A little, I mean, it's a little political, a little bit of a political show. So... Mm. 
Uh, but anyways, I'm excited to see what comes next with the films. Honestly, just bring me back Daredevil and Punisher and I'll be happy. Hmm. Yeah, just those two. That's all I want from the MCU television shows. John Bernthal. Hey. That's all. I just want John Bernthal. But just he's like, another one, a really good discussion about, you know, um, vigilantism and violence. But that's another, as I, as I we should do I that. I'm gonna put that on another, I think I'm going to put that on the shirt. That's a discussion for another day. A discussion for another day. And maybe that's what we just call our bonus episodes. A discussion for another day. For another day. <laughs> Which I'm fine with. Um, but yeah, with that, y'all can find me at Nisha Plays. That's N E Y S H A P L A Y S. That's on Instagram and Twitter. Um, follow me for, you know, cosplay content, also for manga reviews, anime, all the other things. I feel like, oh yeah, I'm done with grad school for the for the year. So I'm going to enjoy watching and reading more things and cosplaying more now that I can turn my brain off a little bit. So, yay. What about you, Carolyn? Where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the hashtag Carries at CarriesCNH12. That's C-A-R-R-I-E-C-N-H-1-2. And you can go to my new YouTube channel. It's under my name, Carolyn Heinz, or you can search for Beyond the Romance on YouTube. And it's, a, and it's my new channel um, where I, I have, where I continue to talk about my, my Asian dramas. So it's not just Korean, where we go beyond the romance of these dramas to get into all the good stuff, the bad, and all the fun stuff like the fashion and, and cinematography and that kind of stuff. And I've been also uploading interviews that I've been doing with the African American Film Critics Association. Like recently, we've done um, interviews with Uza Aduba for In Treatment. We've spoken to um, the cast of Delilah. We've done um, interview with um Radu Peck for his um his interview his his documentary series um exterminate the brutes as well as the um the the lead female actresses in godfather of harlem starring forrest whitaker so you can find those on the africa channel and you can find my segments with those and also we spoke to the ladies of black lady sketch for um for about season two which was hilarious Yay! you can find those on my youtube channel as well and the full interviews on the africa um, YouTube channel and also on the Africa site. I'll link those down below. And we've recently started a YouTube integration of the podcast. So if you mm -hmm. are if you're re listening to the podcast, there's a you should there should be a link for the YouTube channel where you lead you to YouTube. We don't have video for the for some of the older ones, but this one will be a video if you're watching it. Of course, this video and it will be on the YouTube channel. So now we'll be providing our hilarious voices and and opinions as well as our beautiful faces on YouTube so you can watch us while we discuss these things. We hope you enjoy these. You can contact us via Twitter, Instagram, or email. All that information will be down in the description box down below. Like and subscribe to both my channel and this, please. I need the subscribers <laughs> so I can start monetizing stuff. I'm being honest, people. Times are hard. Um, <laughs> Pay her. And you can read um you can read more of mine and Nisha's reviews on the butwhythepodcast.com site as well as her other podcast that she does with um EIC Kate Sanchez. That is Did You Have To? As well as uh, she does a couple other podcasts with the other EIC Matt. You can listen to those fun um interviews with those those fun sessions and as I said, reader interviews and just like yeah, that's it. That's Get y'all a friend like Carolyn, because she plugs me more than I plug myself. <laughs> but yes, all that and more. Thanks y'all for coming back to listening to us. We will talk to y'all next time for the next batch of stuff that we watched and read. Bye. Bye.